But one of the things we were constantly doing was trying to figure out how do we monetize? How do we ride the wave of that change? Because that change was disruptive. And we knew from a business perspective, part of our journey was to find that disruptive technology and how it would apply to our clients and help them on that journey. Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast, where we highlight and explore the views of thought leaders and organizations across the tech industry. We're presenting topics on leadership, sales, and trends from our perspective as individuals and, of course, as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. We have an amazing leader on our show today, Andrew Montz. He is an amazing leader because he is not only the founder and CEO of AS1, a Vistas chair, but he's also the former chief customer officer at ClearData. And if you know anything about the cloud computing space, you knew that ClearData is the clear leader when it comes to taking care of cloud computing for the healthcare industry. But we're eager to dive into his wealth of experience and growing six service figures companies. And not only that, he knows the area that we live in. He knows this area very well. He's actually well-known in this space when it comes to revenue generation and helping organizations scale and grow. Let's explore some of the key areas of success and how he was able to make it happen. Andrew, welcome to our show. We're really excited to have you today. Happy to be here. Look forward to the conversation, guys. Andrew, this is David. And from time to time throughout our conversation today, we'll make sure to note who's asking you the question as many of our listeners don't go to our YouTube channel. They listen through the various podcast platforms. Yeah. Andrew, you have a remarkable journey. And when I had an opportunity to look into your background, I was super inspired because I felt like it crossed both my world and Danny's world. Danny's world more from the tech side and his background owning an MSP VAR, my side being an executive coach and work with driven leaders. You have had your hands in both worlds. You focus on scaling operations. You focus on profitability. You focus on development, not just of the business, but also of the professional. Can you give us a view, maybe an overview quickly of your own leadership journey and how you've been able to navigate these two worlds, so to speak, and here you are today doing your own company, AS1? Well, thanks for that, guys. You know, really, I, I love that intro. You've covered a lot of my passion areas, and frankly, that's where it comes from. One of the things I've learned over my career is it's important to understand your personal why and being true to yourself, right? And for me, as I've gone through the journey of my career, it's been a constant uh, learning of what's important to me, how can I have an impact, uh, trying to find that overlap between you know impact, importance, and fun for me has been a big part of my career. But in terms of the journey, you know, I started off as a technical person. You know, once knew how to code, I guess I could probably pick it back up again, but I was a software developer by trade. So I have a computer science degree, got an MBA while I was working my first three years. And so really that represented the beginning of my journey. It, it had some intention behind it, but I never really you know, knew where it was going to head. But it was always have one foot on the technical side, one foot on the business side. And what I learned through that career of going through six growth companies was one of my main passions is really helping grow a business. And when I can intersect that in with a tech business, then I'm really enjoying it because the constant changing of technology and the constant puzzle of business growth, for me, I will never get bored. So for me, I don't know if I'm ever going to retire as long as I have an opportunity to get some of those elements in play. That is fantastic. And Andrew, this is Danny. You said something that really touched close to my heart. And I tell people this because my background, I'm an engineer. I have an engineering degree. I have a master's in computer science, also an MBA. And I started off as a network engineer. Then I went into sales engineering and crossed all the way over to the sales world. Um, but as you said, I know it could take just a matter of minutes or days and all of a sudden you can get back and be geeky again. And I remember when I grew our business, my first business, uh, I grew it to a certain part where Anytime I touch any type of technical equipment, I get my hand slapped. So you're no longer able to do installs. You're no longer able to do that. Your job now is to be the CEO of the company. So very uh, interesting background. And that's why I feel like what you have and what you do, and our audience will find out more about you, will show why you're going to be someone that they can relate with and why you focus on this uh, technology sector. So we'll get into that a little bit more deeper. But Andrew, reflecting on your journey, can you share some key lessons that you learned when you were scaling these 
multiple tech companies like Clear Data and some of these other organizations. What are some of the lessons that you learned? What strategies or approaches did you realize that if you applied these consistently, it actually helped you to become successful? Great question. Uh, we could probably do a whole series of podcasts on all the lessons that I've learned. School of hard knocks over the years, right? But I'll, I'll boil it down to a few things uh, for the audience that really have been meaningful as I've gone back and thought about it. You know, each of these companies was at a tremendous time and place. We had a great market. We were in the middle of riding a technology wave. You know, I first started my career, I'm going to expose my age now. It was the mainframe to client server days. So going from mainframes to PCs, and then we went to the web and mobile, and now it's AI. And so one of the things we were constantly doing was trying to figure out how do we monetize? How do we ride the wave of that change? Because that change was disruptive. And we knew from a business perspective, part of our journey was to find that disruptive technology and how it would apply to our clients and help them on that journey. And one of the things I learned both in helping our clients and also internally within the organization was the tech is a lot of fun. And as a former tech person, I'll say I'm still in the technology business, it can be the distraction. It can pull you in, the puzzle of the technology, the excitement of the innovation. However, it's about the people at the end of the day. And that's where the crossover between like leading a business and leading a people starts to happen. I really found that understanding the why of what you're doing, why you're trying to do it, and communicating that with the team is one of the most important lessons I learned. But the other thing I'll share is a second lesson has to do with just constantly reevaluating and reflecting on where you are, what's in front of you, what you can take advantage of, and frankly, what you made mistakes on. So I've been one of those kind of fail fast people. I like to constantly explore what's working, what's not working, and it's never good enough, right? As soon as I, I get bored if the thing never changes, right? And so I will push change as part of innovation because I found that if you're not changing, if you're not evolving, particularly in the technology industry, you're going to get left behind. So those are the two that I would really kind of focus in on. We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Are you an MSP looking to strengthen the relationships that you have with your clients? Look to reinforce your value by maximizing your QBRs. Simplify the approach by turning any account manager into a virtual CIO with a humanized IT framework. Visit humanizeit.biz and start to create genuine human connections through better conversations rather than just presentations. Humanize IT. Are you someone who dreads public speaking? Does the mere thought of getting up in front of a crowd make you break out in a cold sweat? Well, fear no further because there's a solution that can help you overcome your fear and master the art of public speaking. Introducing our book, Talk It Up, a guide to successful public speaking. This comprehensive guide is perfect for anyone of any age in any profession if they want to improve their public speaking skills. Whether it's for a work presentation, a conference, a job interview, giving a toast at a wedding, or even a TED Talk. With Talk It Up, you'll learn how to craft and deliver a powerful speech that engages your audience and leaves a lasting impression. You'll discover techniques for controlling your nerves, protecting your idea, projecting your voice, using your body language, all to keep your audience engaged. Plus, you get tips on everything from creating an outline to using visual aids 
to managing a Q&A session. Imagine being able to speak confidently and being able to captivate your audience. With Talk It Up, you can become a skilled public speaker in no time. And the best part, it's available on Amazon. So you can start reading today and take your first steps to become a confident public speaker. Don't let your fear of public speaking hold you back any longer. Order your copy of Talk It Up today and start speaking with confidence. Andrew, this is David, and I love how you've been able to kind of cross into that world saying, look, I understand the tech side. I understand the background. And what I love about it is sometimes the challenge when you're coaching and working with leaders of that mindset is to say, how can I relate? How can I connect? And you're able to do that. You've done that. And you said something that was interesting. You said you push change as a part of innovation. You've got this mindset of, I've got to keep thinking through it. I've got to keep kind of evaluating, reevaluating. How do I make this more efficient? How do I make this more productive? That to me is awesome. Can I ask you from your experience, what have been the specific challenges? What would you say have been the challenges of working with entrepreneurs in this space? Because for as many of them, Dan alluded to it earlier, there's a part of them that just wants to roll up his sleeves and keep fixing instead of learning how to lead the business from a different perspective. Are, Are there any specific challenges or any blind spots that you've been able to have to, or at least continue to bring in front of these leaders that you're working with? Yeah, great question. And I'm going to front end that with, I've had, uh, I've just had a blessed career and I had the opportunity. I didn't realize this, this was not a goal of mine in my career, but I've worked with four entrepreneur of the year award winners, some in a local, some regional, some national over, over those six companies. And so I feel like I've worked with some of the best. And, and so that's been a challenge for me because one of my challenges has been how do I form around that person, right? How do we take advantage of their strengths? Where can I fill in and make them stronger as a leader? So that's been one of the things that I've learned. But I, probably the number one thing I would share with the audience is, again, all these companies had different times and places, different teams, different financial situations, all of that. But there's an entrepreneur's dilemma of the mentality that it takes to launch a company it's really difficult to get something off the ground, right? Hundreds and hundreds of hours of effort and almost no results, right? Very frustrating, disappointing process of getting something off the ground. So that mentality, that that dog, just dogma, that dog-headed, that focus that it takes to get something going is exactly what gets you in trouble down the road because you have to believe that you have the right answer, you have the right vision, you have to ignore all the captains of no coming at you, it's a horrible idea, I don't get it, I don't understand it, you're never gonna get funded, so on and so forth. And that exact mentality is what gets you in trouble because you miss, you have those blind spots, you miss the market opportunity. The thing you started with is not the thing you end with. And we all love to read those stories about these amazing growth stories, right? Pick one, they never ended up where they started. Right? They started with something very different and it evolved. And I've seen a lot of entre- entrepreneurs struggle with that journey, being innovative, changing. And then the flip side of this is having focus, right? Because the ones that were most open-minded and agile saw the field of opportunities and couldn't concentrate in one area. They tried to kind of play the field, shotgun it. Hey, I'll try five or six things. One of them will pay off. Well, the problem is what happens when you have five or six things you're trying to do from a business perspective? You do all of them poorly. And you really can't get enough information to know what went well. So those are two that I would mention. I'll add one more, which is the a lot of the entrepreneurs will struggle with building a team. When you start, you do everything yourself. If you're blessed, I was with one company that had 10 founders. Very diversified team. Now, they didn't have everything. Right. And they struggled with how do we build the next leadership team? And so I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs just churn through leaders, not looking for the right elements in that leadership team and building it the right way, because eventually it's not the entrepreneur and their vision. It's the team that they build, their ability to finish the vision and execute on it that brings that product to market and drives the growth of the company. This is Danny. And what I appreciate you talking about is you worked with these founders, CEOs of the year, the local, regional, national level. You worked with small, large. You worked with a company that had 10 founders. All these organizations, as you said, 
it is interesting that because you understand the technical background and you understand what I call human nature when it comes to a founder, the way the founder thinks, it is very important that you build that rapport. And as you're building that rapport, you're able to make these changes and helping them as they're being focused. And I say the word focus because we want to say yes to everything as you're starting out. I need revenue. I need money. I need. I just need things coming in. And when you do all that, you're really the master of none because you're trying to do everything. And you can't really build a brand for yourself. You can't really build a name for yourself when you do everything. You're, one of your companies that you're the chief customer officer at, uh, Clear Data, they actually focus on cloud security on just one sector and one sector only, which is how I found out about you. It is the reason why I think they did so well and took off because they focus on just one area as the cloud started getting becoming more popular. Now, you talked about something that was very strategic, and I want to get your insight on it. You talked about building a team and how at this moment, as you get bigger and bigger, you can't wear all the hats. You can't do all the work. So how could you, how did you work with those founders, the 10 founders and other companies to make sure that they were really working as a cohesive team and not fighting each other, not getting in each other's way, but really continue to make folk to stay focused on that main goal, which is to grow. How did you get that team to work together? Because it seemed like too many founders or too many uh, CEO leadership heads can sometimes butt into each other. Absolutely. Um, the reason I called my company as one is this exact topic. Getting a team to work as one team in a services business in particular is critically important because you don't necessarily, I've been in companies that had software products. I've been in companies that had service and software in the disservice. When you're talking about services, it really is about the team, their cohesion, their single-mindedness about what they're going to get accomplished. And so for, you know, I think when we look at building a team, one of the things that I think is really important is we have this metaphor of what are the right seats on the bus? You know, what are the roles that I need at this point in time? And it changes. And when you're a visionary, it's easy to think three years down the road. Well, I'm going to need a chief of this and chief of that and chief of this and start hiring the team too early. The problem is you bring in all those heavyweights. They bring in the downsides of confidence, right? There ends up being ego. There ends up being career development, all that kind of stuff. And you miss out on one of the most important characteristics, which is what we're talking about. How do I get a team that really works as a team, not as a group of people? And, you know, it also is with the founding group. I mentioned, you know, the 10 groups, the, the 10 folks that were founding one company. I was with another company where there were three founders, two to start, one got at it. And I joined that company initially. They said, hey, join. We want you to just help us with the strategy of what's next. You've been down the road. You've seen what's around the corner. We don't know what your role is going to be, your title, but just come on board and help us grow, right? And that turned into a lot of specific things down the road as we had needs. But my first challenge was to get the three of those individuals to think as one. What was their goal? Now, they had three very different backgrounds, three very different personalities. And one of the traps we all find ourselves in, and you guys know this, you've been in the, the B2B space. I'm not working with Acme Corp. Acme Corp is not a thing other than a legal entity. I am working with Joe, Tom, Sue. And you've got to look at the individuals and where they're coming from and what they're trying to get accomplished. And so I met with those leaders and I said, hey, guys, what are you trying to accomplish? Is this a, a lifestyle business for you? You just want to continue to do well and grow and just have the you know, enjoyment of the next 20 years? Do you want to build this to sell? Right. Do you want to build your software product and blow out the market on the software? Is it more about services? And what is your strategy? Well, not surprising, we have three people. We couldn't get to a single answer. And so then we step back and we say, I say, okay, guys, that's a three to five year goal. Let's step back. What are the things that we can agree that are in the same Venn diagram overlap three to five years from now that we can work on for the next 12 months? And we focused on those things. And we all knew that that was going to put us on the roadmap, the right next destination. It wasn't the end destination, but it put us in the right direction of our eventual journey we still had options open to us, but it got us further along. You know, meanwhile, we took calls from potential acquirers. My title was actually corporate development. So I got all the like, you know, acquisition calls coming in. We built our software product. We built up our services team, right? And we built the company, not with selling it in mind, but we built the company to be a great company, knowing that eventually we would probably sell because of the space we're in. But for me, getting the team to work together is a common mission. You mentioned clear data. That, that one was 
special to me because when I joined Clear Data, it intersected several things for me. There was the technology of the cloud, the latest innovation. It had a security and compliance focus, which was also very important. So a lot of people getting into the cloud were concerned about security and compliance. And then the final intersection was the healthcare market. And every single year in annual planning and almost every board meeting, we talked about, do we want to remain focused on the healthcare market? There's all these other customers we could serve, right? Financial services has similar compliance and regulatory issues and so on and so forth. We decided to focus on healthcare. One of the things that we found was the employees we hired appreciated the healthcare mission, making patient lives better. As a matter of fact, in most of our company meetings, someone would stand up and talk about a patient experience that they had personally had or that someone in their family had had. And that became one of the driving influences. Part of our why as a team was to make patient lives better, make the healthcare system work better. Now, I don't know that we're going to accomplish that mission anytime in the near future because healthcare is still quite a mess. But trying to find that common ground, that, that purpose, I believe in mission-driven leadership. And I found that skill sets are not nearly as important as believing and buying in and driving towards the mission and becoming an evangelist with your customers, shareholders if you have them, investors, but most importantly with the team. Does the team see your passion for the business? And these growth companies, you don't have time for someone who shows up and just shows up in the meeting. And it's just going through the motions, right? A lot of these companies get trapped in that. They hire the resume, they hire the credentials, they hire the person from the big name company, but they don't have that growth mindset. They don't have that mission-driven approach. Andrew, this is Danny. I really think that it's great insight that you provided in the fact that a lot of our audience members are leaders, entrepreneurs, and a lot of them get to that point where they're trying to figure out how to evolve, how to grow. And I always go back to say the same thing that we talk about all the time. What is your why? What is it that gets you up in the morning that no one has to tell you anything? What is it that makes you go out and, and do what you do without no one having to, to remind you every single day? And it goes back to as you're starting to scale that business, you talk about that single-mindedness, that healthcare focus. You could have brought in the financial industry. You could have brought in so many different things. But then you realize that you're creating that culture within that organization where every member of the team was excited because – that focus was healthcare. It was how can we make patients' life better? And that created that single-mindedness that you really talk about. And I want to encourage the audience today is that when people think about your brand, when they think about you, they're going to think about what is that one thing? What is that why? What is that single-mindedness? Because if every member of your team has that same single-mindedness, it doesn't matter if someone has a two-year plan, five-year plan, three-year plan, someone has this and that, they're going to find that common ground and they're all going to be focused on moving forward. And I want to encourage you guys, listen to what Andrew just said. Listen to the strategy he just implement. He just telling you to implement. These, these are nuggets of wisdom right now because we all want to be in a situation where we're growing so fast that we need to stop and ask ourselves, what can we do next to can continue that momentum? So I encourage everybody, hey, you're going to get there. I'm, I'm speaking in 2024. You will get your business to a point where you're going to need to bring in an Angie. You're going to need to bring in uh, a consultant that's going to help you because you're going to get to that point where, hey, we got a lot of moving pieces. We need to figure out what's going to happen. And it goes back to your why. It goes back to the single-mindedness. Now, when we think about these things and you talk about all these things and we look at your background and my background, we have to ask ourselves, how can we keep up with this evolving technology landscape? How can we take advantage of this technology to continue to help us to scale and grow our organization? And I'm asking you uh, some best practices on this because I know that leads into your private consulting, AS1, where you guys are leveraging AI, you're leveraging technology, you're leveraging your background in the tech space and the business development space and, and putting it all together. But how can we leverage technology as we're growing our business, as we're scaling our organization? Um, I would say a lot of my career journey, particularly working with clients, has been at that exact intersection. Um, you know, it's been a constant journey of there's a new tech. What can it mean to our business? Right? And I'm going to go way, way back for a minute for the audience. I mentioned, you know, I started my career in the mainframe to client server days. And this was the, the advent of PCs, right? And back then, there was no graphical user interface. There wasn't the concept of Windows. There weren't cell phones, right? And everything was green screen. 
And we really tried to evaluate, hey, having a PC, which is complicated for someone who doesn't know how to use it, by the way. I'll never forget I was on a support call and someone says, what do I do with this foot pedal? I can't seem to make it work. I'm not exaggerating. It was a mouse and they were basically trying to figure it out. That was innovation that they didn't know what to do with. Right. They didn't know what its purpose was. They didn't know how to evolve their business. Now, over time, what we found was we were able to take advantages of the graphical user interface and do some things. Now, this was a distribution center management package. So logistics management, loading a truck, all of that. Well, there's some things you can do graphically to visualize a route or visualize how a truck is loaded that you can't do with a bunch of characters on the screen. And so for me, it was always a matter of figuring out this innovation that's coming. How can I take advantage of it in my business? What is the thing that I can do? And I always think about the most strategic thing. How can I help my client get a cutting edge with this technology? What can they do for their customers that makes their customers' lives better or more efficient, more productive, right? Generate more business for them, whatever it might be. Because I've got to help my customer understand that, right? And I've, at one point, I also ran internal IT. So I struggled with the same decision that my clients dealt with. And I had everybody calling on me. And my question was always, what is it going to do for me? How are you going to help me? Give me examples of what you've done so that I can go talk to my leadership team on what that technology is going to do for me. So for me, it's always been about trying to find the angle that attaches to the business objective and focusing on that and then realizing those results, right? A first release of a new piece of software doesn't get you the results you're after. Right? If you spend $3 million to build a piece of software and you launch it, well, it's an amazing success for the dev team, right? We launched that software. We got it out in the community. Guess what? You've gotten zero business results, right? You've got to get people using the software, doing the things that you were hoping they would do and generating the business results. But there's an evangelistic component. That's one of the things I would really emphasize for the audience is that when you're doing new tech, you've got to evangelize. You've got to help people in the market understand the power of the technology, what it can be used for, the value of it. And in the early days, it's R&D. You've got to find yeah. like that classic you know, early adopter curve, right? And, and the product lifecycle, you got to find the people that are willing to take some risk and try some stuff out and go into the lab and do some cool things. And in many ways, AI is like that for corporate America today. Everyone's talking AI. I went to a conference the other day, every booth had AI, right? When you ask them what they're really doing, they say, we got AI. Okay, but what are you really doing with it? And they can't answer the question, right? It's a marketing thing. And so as a business, as a business owner, and you're, you're, you have a software product, a services business, whatever it might be, the question is, what can you do for your clients with it? That's the externalized view. I always like to start outside in with my client view. But I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm a capitalist. I have to think about how can I monetize that? How can I build my business? I can, you can get excited about new tech and may not be able to monetize it. Yeah. Are customers ready to spend money on that new tech? Are they interested intellectually? Great. Well, webinars, talk to them, become the expert, the known expert in that space. When they're ready to spend, they're going to come to you, right? Become known. That power of authority is tremendous in an early stage of a technology market. But you've got to like increase your bets as you see results, right? Because that's when you know you can drive revenue and really focus on it. But if you don't, become that evangelist on the front end of the wave. They're not going to think of you later and you're going to be way behind everybody else that's out there speaking to the technology. So it's this combination of you got to make your bets early, but make them really prudent, figure out a way to monetize it and grow it from there. This is David. And what I appreciate about your perspective and your history, your experience, is you're saying, look, we're going to look at this from a holistic perspective. We're going to look at the entire picture. We're going to look at which tool, which technology makes the most sense for us. Does it align with our mission? Does it go back to our core values, our mission objective? Does it go back to meeting the need of our client? Because you can use a lot of new tools. You can use all the widgets out there. But if you're just wasting money, wasting time, you're not doing anything for yourself or your clients. So I really appreciate your ability to bring that together. I'm fascinated, if you don't mind me, touching on part of your role and your being a Vistage chair. In terms of your coaching background, in terms of your responsibilities as someone who guides his own organization at AS1, how do you balance that? How do you balance leading your business at the same time? You're guiding driven leaders. They're, I mean, you, you don't just bring people into Visage without them having their own sense of 
how do I want to put this? I don't want to call it ego, but they all believe in what they're doing. They all believe in themselves. They all believe they're the greatest, latest or whatever you want to call it. If, if they didn't, they shouldn't be a part of what you're doing. But how do you balance building your organization and at the same time, the needs of those clients that have been brought into, let's say, your circle of influence as a vicious chair? Absolutely. Well, one of the things that's important for me and the reason that I'm doing both, it really is the same personal mission for me which is to help others grow their companies. I've been part of these growth journeys. I've learned the lessons and you know, I, I have a pretty humble background, right? And for me, one of the things that I, I began to realize as I was having conversations with folks that when I was share the stories and the experiences I had, it was really valuable to folks that hadn't been down that path. And it sounds very logical, right? But when you, when you think of the humility, you have to kind of remind yourself, hey, I've been down some paths that others haven't. And if I can share those experiences, if I can show them that's a dark alley and avoid it, or if I can show them a shortcut, what value that might be for them, right? And there's a tremendous pleasure that you can have as a leader. And also with working with other companies, when you're able to help them accomplish, you're doing things through others. And as a leader, that's really the element that I always enjoyed the most. I felt like part of my role as a leader, one of the main parts, there was always like what I had to do for the business part, but I always felt like the people part was critical. I spent a lot of time trying to build my teams up to coach them, develop them, look for their weaknesses, help them at least balance those out and really leverage the strengths. And so I tried to spend a lot of time in people development. And I've missed that being remote because when you're face-to-face, -face, you can sit down over a cup of coffee, wherever it might be, and you have a much richer conversation where you can attend a meeting together and you can give person, you know, the person some feedback on how they did, good or bad, what they need to work on, what they did really well, that type of thing. There's a, you know, a time element of that, of doing that quickly. And you don't always get that in a remote world because you have another call to jump onto, right? But in terms of um, kind of developing leaders and balancing this, you know, kind of as one in vistage aspect of things, it's the same mission with two different focuses. So my, my core business around helping technology service companies, that's a national thing. I've spent a lot of my career at a national level, working with clients all over, all over the country, lots of different industries, from Walmart to oil and gas to you name it. And so um, at the end of the day, I'm helping those through those journeys because I've spent 30 plus years in that business. I know it really, really well, right? And while they're all in different times and places and they have different strengths and weaknesses as a leader, you know, I can help them through that journey. And I, I met I met one of my clients uh, for lunch yesterday, as a matter of fact. And we sat down, it was like a jam session for two hours. And it was great. We walked away, we were totally energized. I wish it wasn't, you know, towards the end of the week, right before New Year's, because you know, we both wanted to kind of jump into it over the next few days. But the power of kind of sharing the, the journey in the background was tremendous. Now, on the Vistage side, same kind of thing of helping leaders grow their companies. Just a local level and not specific to one industry. The Vistage design is to bring non-competing industries together. And I, I'll tell you, you know, having played senior level leadership roles, it's lonely at the top. Who do you go talk to? You know, I had teams of hundreds of people. I couldn't go talk to those hundreds of people about, you know, an employee challenge or, boy, I wish I had a different leader in this area or whatever the challenge of the day might be, or worse yet, I'm running one team, I've got another C-level executive running a different team, and we can't see eye to eye. Well, I can't talk to my team about that. Who do I go to? I really can't go to the CEO most of the time. They're, you know, the CEO is expecting me and the other person to resolve that. So having an outside board of advisors, an outside counsel, an outside advisor or coach to go to is tremendous, right? Even if they haven't been in your industry, 90% of the problems you hit as a C-level executive are exactly the same. How do I develop my talent? How do I solve this challenge of it an ever-changing market? What I did two years ago to grow is different than what I need to do for the next three to five years. How do I make that transition? Or I was talking to someone the other day that had a, a tremendously valuable team member that helped them get launched and grow, but the business has kind of outgrown that person. They would face this dilemma. What do I do to take care of that person that isn't in the right seat on the bus anymore? Do I find them a new seat? Do I help them find something new? So those are the kind of challenges that a team like Vistage solves, right? Because those are all common problems that you have across those industries. And the advantage of the local component is you get together once a month face-to-face -face for a day and you spend the day together. And we bring in speakers all over the full range, nationally known speakers. But then the other thing that we do is we talk about issues that are in our business. We choose two or three. 
and we talk about what's going on. So David, you know, what was going on with your business? Is there something we can help you solve? And then we work and we challenge you, right? So part of the, the issue with balancing all this in, in my core business and the Vistage business, I'm looking for people that are open-minded, right? There is that ego, there is that drive that makes you successful as an entrepreneur. But if you're not coachable, if you're not willing to be challenged by a peer, then you're not going to fit in. And so it's a two-way selection process. And I think when you're when you're in a business development or selling role, I think sometimes it's always, how do I get this person to sign? How do I win business with them? And it's very, it can come across almost desperation depending on how you position and posture and message things. Well, when you're in a coach or an advisory situation, right? You're talking to peers. And in some cases, you're talking to peers that you may have done some things they've never done before and vice versa. So you've got to come to it in a very even-keeled, confident, almost egoless manner, and you've got to be able to challenge each other. So I'm looking for the right people to be on this team. And when you think about the my advisory business, it's it's one to many, right? I'm working with multiple CEOs or sometimes their executive team, right? That's me working with them and helping them through those challenges. The Visage model is the group helps the individual. So now it's a many to one. So you've got a whole council of people, right? And our larger groups here in San Antonio have like 18 members, 18, 20 members. So you've got a whole host of people with lots of different backgrounds, right? Roll, you know, $5 million, you know, companies all the way up to, you know, a billion dollar company. So you've got all this variety of backgrounds and industries for someone to leverage. And everybody walks out with a learning experience in every meeting. So it's part of it's looking for people that have that learning mindset, that willingness to be challenged, because it's uncomfortable. You get in front of 15 people, right? They asked me to introduce myself in the last meeting. I was joining a new group. I was being hosted into one, introduced myself, and someone immediately challenged me with a question. You know, what's the number one thing you'd recommend to, you know, entrepreneurs in your business? And I wasn't expecting the question in that moment, right? And then I gave an answer and and this lady immediately said, well, that's your business side. What's your biggest weakness personally? It's like, whoa, okay, I was not expecting that question, right? So the mentality you have to have in this situation, you're going to get challenged and you got to be okay with that. You got to be able to stumble and get through it. This is David. And, and I'll tell you, Andrew, you're going down a path where I love it as someone who coaches leaders. I want to work with driven leaders who want that challenge. They Absolutely. want to be challenged because they know that they have blind spots. They know their areas that they're not perfect in or they can do better in. So go ahead and challenge me. The greatest athletes in the world, the greatest musicians, the greatest ballerinas, the greatest performers, they know there may be areas that, that they're lacking in. So bring that on. What I appreciate about what you said, Andrew, is that you are guiding not just one individual. You're guiding a room of individuals who all have that mindset and in so many ways, you're saying, guys, look, look, let's help each other out here. We could do this together. It's a safe place. It's a safe zone for us to come in and say, because we're not competing directly with each other, we can help each other because some of you have been down the path that someone else is going in. I, I want to touch on something that you alluded to earlier, Andrew, about what you got challenged in. And I, and I think that's awesome. I think that's okay. That's fair. When we start working with new clients for them to go, well, are you credible? Do you have this background? Do you have that background? So what are you learning most about yourself? Because you've worn both hats. You've been on both sides of the fence. You've been a business owner. You're still a business owner. You've been on the tech side. You've worked with people individually, one-on-one, -on -one, and now as a group. What are you continuing to learn about yourself that you say, hey, this is why I still am driven to do what I do? Uh, great question. Well, you know, um, it's interesting my, we were talking about uh, empty nester. I've got two uh, daughters who are out in the workforce now, and we had lots of conversations as they were growing up. They'd want to know what dad was doing for work and why was he traveling, what was going on, what happened at that board meeting. And we had a lot of conversations about these sort of topics. And one of the things I always talked about is it's so easy to give someone else advice. Yeah. And particularly as a confident leader, it is so much harder to hear it back, particularly if it's tough love. And I feel like that's what we owe each other as business leaders in the same business or if we're in an advisory business or if we're in something like Vistage, that's more of a peer group model, right? And so one of the things I learned about myself was that I, I'm a driven person. I have a strong work ethic. I want to do the best I possibly can, right? And so my immediate emotional reaction when someone says, hey, that wasn't right or that wasn't good enough or I'm not fully happy, was that became something personal for me? 
And I learned how to, I learned, had to learn how to process that where what I did was I started to channel that and say, okay, that's not someone trying to be mean to me. It's not someone that doesn't respect me. They're saying, hey, this particular thing, it's not a personal thing. It's a thing, right? And I've worked with my teams a lot on this too, because it's very easy, you know, when you get feedback to think, hey, it's personal, you're attacking me. No, this thing wasn't good enough. Okay, let's channel that for a minute. And if you have a drive for being better, if you have a drive for success, a drive for excellence, you channel that immediately into awesome. Let's talk about what wasn't good enough. Why didn't this satisfy you? What were you expecting, right? You flip the challenge into a question and you immediately learn and you take a ton of notes because when you're fighting that emotional thing inside, you got to have a good poker face because people pick up on it, particularly face to face. And you got to channel that into questions. It gives you a little bit of breathing room and you take a ton of notes. And what I found is in the moment, sometimes I didn't really hear everything that was coming to me, but I went back and looked at my notes and I had a ton of learning, a ton of things I took away from that. Sometimes I went back again and said, you know what, I just want to tell you, it was such tremendous feedback. I want to really thank you. I have a few more follow-up questions and I went deeper, right? For me, it was an opportunity to never be in that situation again. I wanted to be better and better and better. So that was one of the things I learned about myself, right? When I got feedback, I was like, I can't take that personal. It's about the thing. I've got to make it better. If I'm driven to excellence, I will focus on, on making it better. This is Danny. And I think that it's really insightful how you, first of all, to be an entrepreneur, you have to have this mindset. You have to have a crazy, kind of a crazy work ethic. But along the way, even working with different people, consultants, and being parts of peer groups, all that stuff is very valuable, very important. Along the way, we have to think about this thing called balance. And what is interesting about your background and my background, this is why we so, we relate so well because of our, our unique backgrounds, and is the fact that we can relate to technical co-founders or companies. We can help them. We can work with them. And, and that's what we do at App Meetup. We, we're a training organization. David does the public speaking side. We do the sales execution, revenue optimization side. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we're doing. We have to have this thing called balance, as you said earlier. And you're building a house. You're working with CEOs. You're building a business. You have all this stuff happening all at the same time. And you have to ask yourself, how can I continue to nurture my ability to work hard because I love to work hard, but yet at the same time, not forget about the people around me who are supporting me. Because as a tech co-founder myself, back in the day, I'm an engineering nerd. I was doing a double major in college. I can get so into studying, so into being focused on one single specific problem that I forget there's people in my life. So how have you been able to have the success you've had and launch a new practice and continue to work with CEOs and co-founders and at the same time, build a house, but yet keep your wife happy. How have you been able to find that balance? And what advice would you give other uh, co-founders out there today who are starting businesses? Yeah, boy. Um, I wish I had the answer to that, right? We could bottle that up. Um, that'd be tremendous. You know, I think we all struggle with that. And some of the roles that I've played in business, you know, particularly when I've led the operations of something, um, it's been an enormous challenge, the balance issue. Um, we, we talked about clear data earlier. I was chief operating officer at Catapult Systems where all the services reported to me. It doesn't matter the role when you're a leader of something, particularly something that has a strong execution focus. There's an interruptive nature of it, right? When you're a leader, uh, employee issues surface to you, client issues surface to you. If, if you have contractors or providers you're working with, all those issues tend to roll up eventually. If your team can't solve it, it lands on your desk. Well, guess what? You can't predict when that stuff happens. It happens to you. And so you have to become a master of constantly challenging, what are my top one to three issues that I need to solve, right? What are the things that only I can do for the team, right? And so in working with leaders, both in these service companies and with Vistage, that is a constant thing that everybody struggles with. I've talked to some leaders that I think would be tremendous members of my Vistage group. They're at the right point in time in their business. They really seem like the right sort of people to be involved. We're talking about that humble leader that wants to grow, um, but they don't have time. That's one of the biggest feedback points I get. They understand the model, but like, I just don't have time. Talk to me in three months. 
well, is three months really going to be better? It may actually get worse, right? They want to solve the one problem in front of them and, and challenge it later. Well, the, the issue is you've got to find a way to invest. And you got to find a way. For me, it's reflection and learning is a big part of that. So one of the things that I learned in these crazy interruptive roles, and by the way, when I've when, most of the time when I've played those roles, I've also been one of the key strategy people within the company, right? Thinking ahead. That's one of the things I love to do and I've often done within teams. And strategy is a creative thing. Right? I'm not an artist, but for me, my artist canvas is strategy, right? And I've got to find time to go do that. I can't do it on a schedule. I can't block my calendar and say from eight to nine o'clock tomorrow morning, I'm going to do strategy work. Most people's brains don't work that way. So what I've found is for me personally, what works is I channel the energy that's going on at the time, right? So um, I was doing some, some writing the other day and I wrote a ton of stuff in like three hours. I was just in the mood, had the energy for it. And I dumped like five or six things that I could build as, as topics or videos or blogs or whatever they might be. I didn't make them pretty, but I got them all out of my head and I've got them ready for later, right? Because I know I want to get on a publishing schedule. It's not for me that if I want to publish something every two weeks, it doesn't mean I need to write every two weeks. It means I need to write enough to publish every two weeks. And I need to do that when I have the energy for it. So for me, Thinking about when I have the energy channel being okay with, while I think I wanted to focus the next couple hours on this other topic, I'm really feeling like I want to do this thing. And I would go, I would give myself the freedom to go do it, check myself against my daily, weekly, and monthly goals and make sure I don't get too far out of whack because I, I don't want to get lost in the forest, right? But the other thing I found, and this is this is a, a technique that I've mentioned to others over the years, um, and someone I'm sure taught me this as well, I found a time each week that was my reflective time. And for many years, it was Friday morning. I would go to a coffee shop. I would not bring my laptop. I would not look at my phone. I would grab old school pen and paper, and I would just basically go freeform. And I would give myself an hour. I put some music on, right? Clear my head, eliminate the distractions around me. And I purposely went to some place that was chaotic, like a coffee shop that was crazy busy on a Friday morning. Because I, I wanted to make sure that I focused on what I was doing. And I cleared my head. I brain dumped out what was going on in my business and my personal life. And I would do that every single week. And sometimes I would just brain dump and it would felt, I had this tremendous sense of accomplishment because I cleared my head. I, I let things out. The other thing I learned was if I saw the same things appearing week to week, it was bothering me and I didn't realize it. So I need to either solve it or give myself the freedom to put it on a parking lot to handle later on and stop dealing with it every week. But I found that as a clarity thing for me. I often, this was a time when I learned more about people. I thought about the meetings I'd been in and things going on with my team. For me, it was an opportunity to really reflect on how things were going and how I could help them. It was like getting caught up in the tyranny of the urgent, right? Back to that whole kind of, you know, what's urgent may not be the most important thing. And for me, it was a rebalancing exercise as well as a learning exercise and really challenge myself on what I should be spending my time on. As a leader, again, I would go back to the, what are the things that I can uniquely do for my business and the team and my customers that no one else is well positioned for, either out of role or background? Let my team handle the rest. And by the way, it's okay. One of the most important decisions is when to make a decision. You don't have to make a decision today. Make a decision on when you need to decide. Sometimes you have to go with intuition and make a decision now, and that's fine. Other times, it's okay to let it sit for three minutes. Clear your deck, focus on your top two or three things, and let that thing sit a little bit. And if you have a really good team, I found three quarters of the time, that problem got solved with me not having to spend time on it. Right? That's the magic of when you have a great team. We'll be right back after this short break. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a spectacular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Are you an MSP looking to strengthen the relationships that you have with your clients? Look to reinforce your value by maximizing your QBRs. 
Simplify the approach by turning any account manager into a virtual CIO with the Humanize IT framework. Visit humanizeit.biz and start to create genuine human connections through better conversations rather than just presentations. Humanize IT. Are you tired of struggling to keep your team motivated and engaged? Do you wish there was an easier way to develop your employees' skills and build a high-performing team? Well, look no further than Mercury Learning Library and Coaching. If you're a tech company that values happy, high-performing teams and leaders, Mercury is the solution you've been looking for. You'll have access to online training, bi-weekly group coaching to power up your employees, their skills, their leadership skills, their sales, and public speaking. And for CEOs and business owners, we have an offer exclusive just for you. It is a training track to help you lead your company to success. Here's the thing. Your employees want to grow and develop. They want to be motivated and engaged at work, but it's not always easy to know where to start. That's where Mercury comes in. We provide specific development tracks for managers, employees, and HR leaders to help them achieve their goals and reach their full potential. Hey everybody, I'm Christina and I'm a brand and image strategist where we consult you on how you're coming across, how your total brand, um, social media, the way you speak, the way you look, the way uh, your website looks, and it's all important in encompassing especially effective communication. So I have a book that I'd like to recommend. This book called, called Talk It Up by David and Danny Sue Brown does exactly that. It goes step by step and it tells you exactly what you need to know. It is very easy to follow. It will boost your confidence. It will help you communicate effectively to your audience. This is David Andrew, and thank you so much for sharing about how you've looked at balancing your focus on your work, driving the right type of initiatives at work, getting the other leaders to get involved. I appreciate that. And and I think what I want to share with our listening audience today, especially right now, is that you've got to schedule times for a reflection. I love that. This is why we, as a business, Dan and I encourage journaling. We, we, we want to give journals to all of our clients. We say, look, these are things that are going to be helpful for you. Go back and look at your thoughts. Are they consistent? Is there something that's still lingering out there? Are you able to look at yourself and say, hey, how am I doing? Am I needing this or am I needing that? Are there areas that are lacking? You put that in there, and I appreciate that. In the same spirit of that, Andrew, you alluded to the point that as you grow as a leader, as you look at your own self-improvement, this is actually beneficial for your business. This allows other leaders to be able to step up, allow other leaders to be able to flex their encouragement and growth muscles. And this is what helps the business grow as a whole, because if you're not growing, your business won't grow as well. So with that in mind, are there any podcasts or books or any other growth strategies that you might encourage other tech-minded entrepreneurs to say, put this as a part of your routine or put this into your mindset that this might help you grow as well. Maybe you have a favorite program you have, or maybe there's a book that you might recommend. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, boy, I, I'm just a consumer of information. Um, reading podcasts, websites, I'm always looking for more. And frankly, with doing more remote work, I love just going and meeting with people. For me, I get a lot of pleasure out of just the energy of being in a room with somebody. Um, but, you know, a couple of books that come to mind that kind of, I think, correlate to some of our conversations. I'm, I'm in the middle of reading a book called Atomic Habits. And a uh, really good book. I enjoy it. Looks like you guys have probably read it, familiar with it. Um, and one of the things, I think about it both at a personal level, like what habits am I forming? And part of the book's concept is think about your identity, who you want to be. And think of it in present terms. You know, I am an advisor to companies. And focus on the habits that get you there, right? And build towards that. And challenge yourself on the good versus the bad habits that lead you to that. So that's a really good one. You know, the other one that I that I read a number of years ago that I think about is called The One Thing. And one of the things that that book focuses on is kind of this domino effect of you've got this really big thing to accomplish. What is the one thing I can do today 
that puts me on that pathway to that. And knowing that I get that one thing today, the thing tomorrow will give me more momentum. It's like dominoes falling over that eventually, you know, topple this really big thing. Both of those I think about at a personal level and in a team level, right? Because the habits that I have influence the team and the team's habits influence me whether I want them to, to or not, right? Good and bad habits. But the, the prioritization thing is a really big deal as an individual and as a team. And I've been in some organizations that used OKRs. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically a system of how you uh, lay out improvements and measurement. It originally came from some of the West Coast, you know, Google and Intel and those guys. And also, I think about EOS, Notcher's operating system. And um, Vern Harnish has a nice book called Rockefeller Habits that's, that EOS is kind of, I think, a tangent off of that is more execution. So when you think about your business, what can I do to eliminate the chaos? and focus on the things that really matter within my business and how do I measure success? So those are a few that I'd recommend. Um, and notice I didn't get into the tech because if you read a book on tech, it's already, I hate reading books on tech because by the time they're published, they're already stale, right? I'm looking at webinars, I'm looking at things that are live, a book, you know, I've got a whole bunch of books I just moved out and unpacked them, right? And if I don't pull it out of the box, I'm getting rid of it. Um, and right now my bookshelf is empty. I haven't pulled a book out yet, but it's only two weeks out. This is Danny, and I appreciate you talking about that. It, and and the reason why I say that it's interesting because one of my wife the wife's businesses that she has is outside of co coaching women uh, to break the glass ceiling. She works with women executives. The second business she has, she's actually a certified KonMari consultant. And KonMari had a whole Netflix special out in Japan. She actually flew down, got certified, but got trained by KonMari. And what it is is if you organize your house and you organize your your the things around you and you minimize it you're going to have a clear organized brain as well and she applied that towards the business principles helping a lot of women executives break through that glass ceiling to become the into the c-suite and if it's not something that's been touched it gets tossed out and she started experimenting with her kids uh, when when they're a little bit younger she would if if they didn't play with a toy she would put the toy and hide it and if they didn't ask about it about a month later, she was taking it and donate it. And, and that's how she started minimizing the things around the kids without them realizing it. And so when you talk about that fact that if you don't get this book out of the box, it won't be read. If you read this book on technology, it's probably old already. But you left two books that I really want to encourage your audience to look at. Atomic Habits and The One Thing. I believe if you want to take your business to the next level in 2024, if you want to take your leadership to the next level in 2024, there's a couple of things you need to do. One, you need to be able to be single-mindedness with yourself, your co-founders, with your team. And you talked about that. Number two, you need to have a great work-life balance. And you spoke about that as well. And, uh, and you still have to have that passion, that drive. Number three, you have to be willing to accept outside consultation. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we could be running that race. And as we're running that race against the other thoroughbreds, we have the blinders on and we can't see what's going on around us. And sometimes it's okay to have somebody who's outside willing to tell you what's really happening. And that's very good for you as a individual entrepreneur and as a leader. All these things are very valuable. And along the way, as you're doing that, sometimes you want to be around other people who may understand what you're going through because they were in your shoes. They may not be in your specific vertical, but as Andrew stated earlier, a majority of all issues and problems, we all face it when we become CEOs or leaders in the C-suite within an organization. So if you're looking to combine your passion, your why, and you're wanting to have it grow really fast, you want to be able to be with people like Andrew who understand that, who have a background of, of really understanding tech, and if he wants to, he can get back and become a software developer again if that's needed. But at the same time, his goal is to really be able to say, hey, look, I can understand you. I relate with you. I want to understand exactly how you're growing your organization, and I want to be a part of that. And he does that through his consultancy. And if you want to learn more about it, just go to as1.team, or you can reach out to him, info at as1.team. And those are two great ways to reach out to him. If you're on LinkedIn, and I hope you are, if you're a business leader, you better be on LinkedIn. But if you are, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn as linkedin.com slash IN slash A-M-O-N-T-Z. And that's how you can reach out to him. Andrew, it's been a pleasure having you on the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast. 
David and I, we're so excited that you were able to share your insights, your background, your experience with our audience. And we look forward to actually staying in contact with you and even probably working on a collaboration as we help take care of our clients in the regional level as well as the national level. Andrew, good luck on your home. Good luck on continuing to grow your business. Thank you once again for joining us. We appreciate you. Thank you. Really enjoyed it, guys. Love the conversation. Look forward to spending some time with y'all moving forward as well. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Please subscribe, download, and share this program. Learn about sponsorship opportunities and become featured on our program. Follow us on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. Be sure to also give our other program, Twins Talk It Up, a listen as well. We will see you next time in the next episode of Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Thank you.